listening to the awesome podcast network. Oh, hi. I'm two-time Saturn Award nominee Kevin Bacon, and I would like to talk to you about 80s awareness. Awareness of 80s culture and technology has been in a significant decline, especially amongst a certain demographic. I'm talking to you millennials. All you guys born after 1985 have no idea how hard life was. If I was too shy to ask a girl out, there was no okay twinder. I went to the white pages, Google it, and called her house. And then you had to make small talk with her mom for like 20 minutes before Alicia even came to the phone. And let me tell you, when she turns down your invitation to Sparrows, you can't just swipe away the hurt. You want to know my favorite app? Rubik's Cube. I saw you tweet an article about Russia. You think Russia's a threat now? Let me tell you about a little thing called the Cold War. They had nukes pointed at us for 20 years. You couldn't even skateboard to a blockbuster without getting nuked. My friend Tommy went out to rent a copy of Gremlins and never came back. You know why? Nuked. At least that's what my parents told me. Hey, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make a point here. What, you, you guys can't pay attention for more than two minutes? I don't get it, I've had it. Somebody take this mic, please. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now your hosts, Daniel Sanangelo and Trey Harris. Ready my knights for battle. They will ride with their king once more. I've lived through others far too long. Lancelot carried my honor, and Guinevere my guilt. Mordred bore my sins. My knights have fought my causes. Now, my brother, I shall be king. Gods! Knights! Podcasters! Prepare for battle! On our horses, Daniel, quickly! Ride! Mount up! Can you dig it? <laughs> it's a whole amalgamation of a whole bunch of movies yeah. right there. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, back to 80s Revisited as we trek through the 80s year by year, our special 80 through 89th episode extravaganza this year, 1981. I was a lad of one. I don't even know what I, what was going on in the world then, you know, my world. I just don't remember. Pants. Titties. You know, just sitting around shitting everywhere and eating all day, sleeping. Life of leisure. Wish I could go back to those days. Anyway, <laughs> with me as always, my co-host, Daniel Santander. Oh, what's your name? Trey Harris. No, I'm Daniel Santander. Uh, wait, no, I'm Trey Harris. Who are you? Daniel Santangelo. And our producer is always Adim Desquevi. Kadeem Hardison. I stole your joke. Bob Saget. That works. Anyway, April 10th, 1981, little film by the New Excalibur comes to theaters. IMDb gives it a 7.5. Rotten Tomatoes, 82. Critic-wise, audience gives it an 81%. So, one percentage point difference. I think that's the closest margin we've ever seen. Is there a fucking bird in here? <laughs> or is Dan just making funny noises? You'll never know. Anyway, 
No info on the budget, and I looked because I was curious as to how much all this shit cost. Uh, anyway, opening was 4.5. Domestically, it ended up grossing 34.9. No worldwide data on it. Not sure why, but the internet's had no answers for this. Mm. Damn, Directed by... What's that? I said, damn, those interwebs. I know. Sometimes they love you, sometimes they hate you. But mostly they love you. Yeah. Uh, directed by John Borman, most notably known for making people want to squeal like a pig in Deliverance, and also the second worst Exorcist movie in The Exorcist Part D. Written by Rospo Pallenberg and Borman himself, and starring Nigel Terry as King Arthur. Uh, recently he was in Troy, uh, also in Fear.com, and the lovely, the exquisite, the drop-dead, almost as beautiful as Olivia Newton-John and Xanadu, do, Heather Mirren as Morgana. Helen Mirren. Hel- Helen, whatever. <laughs> I was looking at her picture, and then I got to think of Olivia Newton-John, and what did I say? Heather. Heather. I wonder who Heather Mirren is. I don't know. I wonder if Google he- Heather Mirren. We're yeah. going to shave there is a pretty hair and he- Heather star. Mirren out there. I'm also sucking out Altoids like candy, so I can't talk right anyway. But anyway, Helen Mirren is Morgana, of course, recently from The Queen, uh, Red 1 and 2, and also uh, the voice of the headmistress, or whatever her name was, in Monsters You. Uh, Nicole Williamson was Merlin. He was uh, in Spawn, the uh, adaptation of the comic book back before. Ooh, that Heather Merlin's pretty hot. That one on the right hat side over there. Co-founder of Nevada uh, Cancer Institute. She's pretty. She's no Helen Mirren, but I wouldn't complain. <laughs> Heather Murren. I, I pulled a John Travolta. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you have, well, at least I was close. You having a stroke right now? Yes. <laughs> anyway. Let it go. <laughs> let the, let life go let the yeah, stroke go just let it go let it happen uh, Nicole Williams it was in Spawn like I mentioned uh, also Return to Oz the movie of 80's inducing nightmares which we'll get to on the podcast uh, Nicholas Clay was Lancelot and pretty much the only thing he did other than this was the uh, episode of the Merlin TV show uh, tragically he did die of cancer however so it's excusable that you only did two things that were both related to King Arthur mm. Uh, Paul Joffrey was Percival. He was also in Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, starring Christopher Lambert uh, as Tarzan, funny, funny, strangely enough, I guess I should say. Uh, and also, uh, he was in The Thomas Crown Affair, the remake, not the original, the remake with uh, Pierce Brosnan and uh, Rene Russo. Topless Rene Russo, I might add. Mm. So, we're seeing uh, first appearance on screen of none other than Gabriel Byrne as Uther, father of Arthur. Of course, from End of Days, Usual Suspects, many other films. Uh, also starring Patrick Stewart, who needs no introduction as Leon DeGrantz. Of course, though, if you don't know who Patrick Stewart is, watch an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Watch one of the X-Men movies, preferably one or two, not three. Yeah, make it so. <laughs> nice. I see what you did there. I understand <laughs> that reference. And in addition to Gabriel Byrne's first on-screen appearance, none other than the Irish badass himself, Liam Neeson as Gawain. Of course, Phantom Menace, Star Wars Phantom Menace, The Grey, Batman Begins, and current king of the box office with his diehard on a plane mystery murder thriller nonstop, which I haven't seen yet, but looks pretty good and it's got a solid review on IMDb, so definitely want to see it. Uh, I'll go first, as usual, in this movie, since I picked it. My fucking show. <laughs> Just kidding, it's our it is, show. No, it's your show. Nah, <laughs> it's a team effort. People tune in to hear what you think, Daniel. No. They know, oh, it's just one of these movies this dude likes. They want to hear what, you know... They want to hear what the guy who's watched it 80 million times says. He has a well, they probably know, like, they know it already. These are my people. It's only our family. Yeah, well, <laughs> our podcast family. They are. The millions. 
and millions of atoms in the air between us and our four listeners. <laughs> All listening if Adam's had ears. Anyway, this is, uh, personally, it's one of my favorite movies from my childhood, simply for two main reasons. One, uh, it uh, was the first movie that I ever saw that, you know, portrayed the Arthurian legend, which it's pretty much the only one since, uh, King Arthur notwithstanding, because that was meant to be historical and not uh, the legend of King Arthur. Uh, however, there was an awesome TV series with Sam Neill in the 90s, which was only about Merlin, but uh, King, you know, it does have the Arthurian story in there, too, but mainly about Merlin, of course. But uh, I always had a love for this story, this tale. Uh, but also the second thing that inspired my love for was uh, classical music, which in this movie, of course, O Fortuna, which we heard at the beginning, one of the greatest pieces of music ever put to paper and then whatever instruments play it, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, using a, you know, it's one, of those, it's, uh, one of those songs that a lot of people have heard numerous times, Many different things. I might not know what it is or anything, but this was the movie that was like, God, that theme is so awesome. And for the longest time, I thought it was the Excalibur theme. So when Napster came out, I'm like, Excalibur theme. <laughs> and it was like, you know, Excal theme from Excalibur, uh, Carmine Burana, O Fortuna. Like, finally, I know the name of this thing. Right. What the, the real name. You know, and, but again, we are talking about Napster, so luckily it was a, it was a correct name on the file. Because we've seen how that goes down on the podcast before, misnaming yeah. things. So, thank you, Napster. But anyway, I love this movie. Uh, made my made me love knights and you know mythology of knights and bloody battles. You know, it's this is eighty nineteen eighties Game of Thrones right here. You know, there's <laughs> incest, murder, blood, no midgets, but you know some of the guys are shorter than others. <laughs> As people tend to <laughs> tend be. to be, <laughs> but anyway, Daniel, they were all the same height. <laughs> That's how I like my movies. Are you not? Are you, wait, you're five eight. Get out. Yeah, I need a five nine guy. Yeah. Anyway, Daniel, have you ever seen this movie before? Nope, never before in your life. Have you ever heard of it? I've heard. Like of the I know the, the Arthurian stuff a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. So you kind of know the players, so to speak. Yes. What did you think of John Borman's Excalibur? What do you think? I think of it. Hmm. In an alternate timeline, I would assume that we've done this podcast before, and you actually liked it. Yes, I did. Wow, my psychic <laughs> abilities are manifesting. <laughs> yeah, no, I enjoyed this movie. Um, it was a little, some of the acting was funny on it and stuff, mm -hmm. and it's a little the, uneven. It, the the voices, uh, especially like Lancelot. I mean, not Lancelot. <laughs> Merlin's voice. Yeah. Uh, you wish to see the eyes of the dragon. And, and that little silver headwear thing, that had to have hurt him if you look at it on his forehead. I mean, it looks like like lo they had like the costumer like standing over him like, <laughs> like it won't fit, it won't fit, it it's will, like it will. Cool running's getting it. Yeah. Sanka's helmet on. Yeah. Thanks, coach. <laughs> but, um, Good reference. Yeah, it was. <laughs> There was more boobs than I thought would be in this movie. Hell yeah, man! It's a 1980s medieval movie. Yeah. I was, I was a lot I of saw a lot of male balls, man ass yeah. too, but yeah. there's some damn good boobs in it. Helen Mirren is very pretty in it. It's more oh, gone. Yeah, more gone. Yeah, I wish uh, Guinevere would have gotten a little more naked too. She was pretty. Mm -hmm. you know, I like when you have a great brunette and a great blonde in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, equal equal time. I wish Mirren would have showed. Yeah. I thought, thought she was going to for a second, but it Thankfully, switched. she didn't show when she was a, a hag in the end. 
Because then that would well, not she have showed been... when she was pregnant, but you couldn't see anything but a big old belly. That actually, ha- uh, that wasn't her. Yeah, well, I figured not. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, uh, they, what they actually did was take an actual pregnant woman. They did pull a magician trick. She's under the pregnant woman's belly sticking out of the table. Then Helen Mirren's head is where her head should be. Huh. So it's a whole another woman's yeah. body, Helen Mirren said. Hmm. She had a stunt pregnant body. Most women do. How much do. got paid to right. do that? 1980 money, probably not much. Like, here's a thousand bucks or something. Probably less than that. Who knows? She's very good at pulling a baby out herself without uh, an umbilical cord's already, I guess, somehow gone. The baby ate through it. (laughs) You guys don't know anything. When you have a child with your sister, there's no umbilical cord. (laughs) Duh. It just slides right out. Yeah. Because it's an abomination. (laughs) Or something. I don't know. But But yeah. I I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Mm -hmm. Uh, As well. Revisiting it. This is not one of those movies that I watch... You know, I watched all the time. Or, I mean, as a kid, I did. I watched the end. I always love pretty much from where the, the podcast started, that clip. From that point on, uh, I would just watch uh, more so that than the entire movie. Because the entire movie is, it's it, you know, every now and then, every five, you ten cut, years. Cut 30 minutes watch or so. It. I definitely think there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's a very English movie. There's a lot of, yes, I know. We should go. There's dramatic pauses. Uh, lingering shots, but a uh, very pretty movie. Uh, definitely, definitely an '80s movie. Uh, <laughs> which I love '80s medieval movies: Dragon Slayer, Excalibur, Willow, the Conan films. They all just, I don't know, they have that look to them. Which it's a, it's that retro look, but it's also '80s stylized. <laughs> Especially this film, like how there's always that green glow yeah. whenever he's wielding Excalibur, or like you know, there's magic happening. Uh, of course, some of the composite effects look like garbage, but uh, one of the cool things about this movie that I love watch about it is just it's all practical. There's all you know, Merlin's staff is actually shooting fire out. <laughs> uh, they're actually banging on each other in full armor and everything, uh, which is really funny too. When you know this movie, like not you know when you look at Game of Thrones, it's all it's all very professionally done. The combat's intense. Uh, I'm trying to think of another recent medieval movie. I can't think of one offhand. But uh, this is like a, you know, it's kind of funny. When you watch The Phantom Menace, that was like the first time you actually truly get to see Jedi fight. Because in the pre- in, in the original trilogy, Vader's half machine, Obi-Wan's an old dude, Luke's just learning the Force, so they're not flipping around like real Jedis are. This is sort of the same thing, except almost reversed, because in the prequel trilogy, you saw how Jedis fight in their prime. Well, this is how knights in heavy suits of armor actually fought. You know, like uh, stumbling down tiny little embankments because their armor is so <laughs> clumsy and just, you know, swinging and hitting people and just pretty much a, a, a literal melee. Just uh, kind of like Braveheart's melee, but with armor. So limbs aren't just flying off after one hit or anything. So uh, it's very enjoyable. And it's very different from a lot of stuff you see now, as in, of course, the biggest example being Game of Thrones or. Uh, 300 in a in in a, in a sense, but I mean that's all they have shields. They don't necessarily have you know you're not talking about knight armor, uh, and a knight's tail doesn't count because that was a stupid movie. But uh, what are some of your thoughts on like some of the aspects of the film? Like, what do you like about? What's like some of your favorite things about it? I mean, there wasn't anything that like blew me away. I yeah, mean, but I mean, you know, anything that you liked a little more? I don't know why I liked. Um... Merlin. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed his character once he got past his voice. Yeah. It was pretty cool. I like... He's a little absent-mindedness uh, to him, kind of like Doc Brown mm-hmm. or 
One they, character like that. They made the author look really good, like in terms of starting out as a oh, as a, as a, a young squire, yeah, and like, then and the way you know I get, the beard helps. I mean, yeah, the beard it <laughs> makes a big difference. You yeah, ain't a baby uh, face anymore, but yeah, they did make him look go from hey, I'm I'm your squire, Kane, <laughs> to like I'm dying. I thought I have a kid of my own, and, and it's not she's young, but I thought Mordred is. Uh, Ugly kid. Oh no, joke. He's got like <laughs> Mick Jagger lips. Yeah, and he just looks. He was just an ugly bizarre. kid. Yeah, no wonder. Hey, can, well, who can we cast as a inbred? There's <laughs> there, one. <laughs> maybe he's actually a, an inbred kid. <laughs> who I know knows? It's mean, but anyway, it's that, just like there wasn't anything that just blew me away about this movie, but it, I didn't dislike anything about mm-hmm. it. Nothing was like, oh god. It's not like uh, there's nothing in it related to Howard the Duck or. No. Anything like that, so yeah, good. That's good to hear. I would like to uh, one thing that I, like always kept that I always loved about this movie. Uh, if you ever look at the, if you ever see the original poster, the original VHS box, it's actually it's IMDb profile picture for the movie. Badass painted art, you know, awesome eighties movie poster. Love it to death. Like that's a poster I love. I, I should probably look into finding and putting <laughs> in my room, my game room, my man cave of sorts. But uh, you know, it's not like today where it's just like some you know, three floating heads and a picture. Like, I always like to uh, give tribute to good box art, so to speak. And this movie has it. Uh, but some of the cool things about, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, the Irish extras fighting each other did not want to stop fighting after the director yelled cut because uh, one of the uh, guys was quoted as, it was time to settle old scores on the set of the movie. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Max von Sydow was originally cast as Merlin. Of course, he's the priest from Exorcist, uh, the old priest. I'm trying to think of something else. Uh, he was the devil in Needful Things. You'd recognize him if you saw him. I'm trying to think of something you'd probably recognize him from. Uh, he was in Judge Dredd, the original. <laughs> I can't think of anything that you might know him from. Probably nothing. But uh, he was originally cast as Merlin, but, of course, uh, Nicole Williamson got the job. And uh, Actually, it's also worth knowing that Nicole Williamson passed away a few years ago, so he's no longer with us, as well as uh, Nicholas Clay that played Lancelot. Yeah. Uh, this was awesome, and I would have done the same damn thing. Director, the director, John Borman, he kept three props from this movie. Excalibur? Care to guess which three he left? Excalibur? Of course, yes, definitely. Um, Helen Mirren. <laughs> close. <laughs> You're very close. Hmm. Now, the second one was the Holy Grail. The third prop that he kept from this movie... Helen Mirren's breastplate. Are you serious? <laughs> and it's actually willed back to Helen Mirren upon his death. <laughs> Man, I'd be... He just sniffs it, yeah. That's... I don't blame him. Jeez. <laughs> I'm sure it smells nasty now, but... Yeah. Probably smells nasty then, honestly, sweating a breastplate all day. Yeah. But hey, this touched Helen Mirren's titties. <laughs> Dame Helen Mirren's titties. Dame, yeah. Uh, oh, I mentioned before how, um, you know, in the birth scene... It was kind of like a magician trick type thing. Uh, this was this is really really interesting. This is I think the biggest fact about like the most interesting thing about this movie. When John Borman set out to to make a movie, uh, he wanted to do Lord of the Rings. Mm. However, he mm. could not get the rights for it. Mm. Thus, he made Excalibur. So, imagine Lord of the Rings like that. At the time, it would have been great, but knowing what came later, nothing would have compared. 
So it's a good thing he didn't would, make. Would it have came later? Hmm? Would it have came later? Oh, yeah. Probably. Probably. Yeah, I mean, because, well, I mean, cause, yeah, you have King Arthur later on with Clive Owen, although it was, you know, historical. No. Right, what if Peter Jackson was like, yeah, they already got one. <laughs> I don't know. I think it was like the Blues Brothers. I mean, like God, you, you like, never know. I mean, God gave Peter Jackson the gift as being the Jackson one who like, should make those movies. I'm make Excalibur. It would have been the baddest <laughs> ass fucking three part movie of Excalibur ever. <laughs> never know. You always want I mean, little things. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, butterfly effect. Right? Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. So it, you never know. Down Lord of the Rings. Don't worry about it. Uh. Helen and Nicole Williamson were initially reluctant to work with each other because they had recently just been in a production of, uh, I think it was Hamlet. Oh, Macbeth. And it was they were not on speaking terms. Ooh. So it probably made those scenes together a little awkward. If they were... Nothing's worse than being in a room with two actors who hate each other. I could imagine. I've never been in that situation. Everybody here at Sedgley Films loves each other. <laughs> Except Daniel. Yeah. Except our Once bitter Once dressing actors. room. <laughs> All that shit. I won't even show up on set. <laughs> uh, of course, this was filmed in England, and it should be noted that every single day of this shoot, it rained at mm. some point in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also added to the lushness of the foliage that you see in the outdoor shots. Foliage. Mm-hmm. Foliage, foliage. Tomato, tomato on that foliage. word, boy. <laughs> uh, as I mentioned, the film debut of Gabriel Byrne and Liam Neeson, two fantastic actors who I'm very thankful to have in the land of Hollywood. Uh, and the hand that holds Excalibur, Lady of the Lake's hand, pretty much. That's who, actually the director's actually, daughter. Who actually says tomato? Do you know anybody? I don't know. Maybe some English people. Oh, I'd have some tomatoes on that. <laughs> I don't know. Hey. I've never heard anybody say tomato, <laughs> except that song. You know, yeah, maybe you say it's, tomato, maybe it's say a Louisiana tomato. thing around here. I don't know. I think it's just an expression meant to be silly. Probably <laughs> some comedian that coined it and it's just used to like, <laughs> you say this, I say that. You know, whatever. That's the part you like? Yeah, that shot right yeah. there. Well, naturally, it's just reversed, mm-hmm. but it still looks pretty damn badass. Uh, and that sun you see is actually superimposed. It's a light being shown on a plate <laughs> and superimposed. And then he's about to ride in front of a screen. I've done fake sun before in some of our movies. Coming up, like the sunrise you know? Red X. Uh, I think oh, right in lights there. I did fake sun. Yeah, he's in front of a screen. Rear projection is what they call it. A lot of that was in Aliens. Yeah. Uh, Terminator, and, right? Yeah. And then uh, I pay attention. Liam Neeson, that lucky bastard. Him and Helen Mirren dated for a while after this movie. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he got some. God rest money. his wife's soul, his recent wife's soul, uh, Richardson. Forget her first name. Not tragic, re- yeah. Not tra- too recent. Very tragic, mm. but you know, if Helen, you yeah, know, maybe y'all should get back together, Liam. <laughs> she still got it. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. But uh, yeah, uh, wrapping it up. Uh, this movie. I still love it, but is revisiting... Is ended it with the still shots? No, that's... Okay. I don't know why that this is... I like that. <laughs> this dude just added it to the end. It just ends with, you know, classic black over yellow though. credits. That's not bad. I mean, me think of, like, Family show. Matters. Yeah. yeah. Or, <laughs> or like, yeah, some other... Police Academy. You know, yeah. things that... Uh, neck a gun, right? I mean, just put a lot that of movies music over it and makes it funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We we did it in uh, Quietest Park. But we had stylized pictures, mm. not just awkward still photos, catching people in mid blink or some shit. <laughs> anyway, what would you score this movie, Daniel, on the Dano scale? I'd probably give it about six point eight or so. A respectable score. I'd give it an eight point five. Uh, 
had I not had I seen this, it had this, I've been in your shoes. I imagine it'd probably be a lot lower than that. Uh, again, there's just a nostalgia factor for me, yeah. but uh, I think for the most part, this movie does hold up. Aside from a lot of the uh, the in camera effects, so to speak, like the super mm. imposing and uh, that kind of thing. But uh, if you want to see what real knights look like in combat, check the movie out. You'll kind of see them. Oh, it should be noted there's one there's one awesome blooper in this movie, in this final fight scene when they're all fighting. You'll, when uh, Kay, Percival, and Arthur are back to back, kind of fighting, Kay throws his sword back and hits Arthur right on the head. And you see him, the guy Nigel Terry, grab his head like while he's fighting. <laughs> it's it's a pretty fun. It's it's, a, it's like the stormtrooper hitting his head on the uh, in the Death Star when they walk yeah. in. You know, it's one of those like you have to kind of look for it, but it's it's pretty funny. It's actually coming up in the scene. It'll probably happen while we're talking. I'll point it out when it's getting close. But anyway, uh, in, again, this released uh, April tenth, nineteen eighty one, and in the real world, on the same day as the sword was drawn from the stone, the stone, the scone. <laughs> Draw thy butt and I from thy scone and rule England. And those scones are tough. Some of them are, especially <laughs> at La Madeline, that they've been left out too long. Break a fucking tooth, man. But uh, April 10th, 1981, uh, two days after this movie came out, excuse me, not on the same day, uh, the space shuttle program uh, with the shuttle Columbia with uh, astronauts John Young and Robert Crippen launches its uh, first mission, returning to Earth on April 14th. Uh, left on the twelfth, uh, came back on the fourteenth. It is the first time a man reusable spacecraft returned from orbit, thus beginning the many what thirty plus year run of the space shuttle until it was retired. What was it? La- was that last year? Or year before last? I don't. It seems like recent sure. history. Yeah, Not sure. It was under Obama because I remember like them talking about like he's canceling the space program. So it's been within the past six years. So anyway, that was uh, in 1981. That was the first time it went there and came back so hmm. very historical and i know you like astronomy so i figured you'd like that little nugget of history good nugget you know you're doing sports or sports but it's not not much at all sports rewind in a cave <laughs> uh april 10th that's when this movie came out one of the birthdays Watch. for april 10th oh we're watching uh... right, right, right here bang ow <laughs> <laughs> kind of low res of course yeah. on YouTube but you could still get the effect that he got hit in the head with a sword <laughs> and he kept fighting that's right that's like DiCaprio going. and Django he <laughs> kept acting you never stop damn right anyway on with the, the sports not until they say cut uh, it's not any <laughs> we can do we'll do this we'll do that one mm-hmm. instead yeah it's not we call it professional wrestling so I guess it could be considered a sport and some sports, sports entertainment, entertainment. uh at least. The great Paul Bear was born. Ooh. Uh, he is now going to the Hall of Fame, which I think he deserves. Definitely. One of the greatest um, managers of all time. Uh, I got a buddy of ours. We had a wrestling-themed Halloween party, and buddy of ours, Dobson, dressed as Paul Bear, and it was a pretty good job. Awesome. If Paul Bear was in shape and lean. <laughs> <laughs> but it was... But, Big surprise when they walked in. His girlfriend was the Undertaker, yeah. and he was Paul Bear, earning everything. He's definitely a top five manager of all time. Oh, Pro- probably top three. Oh, definitely. Jimmy Hart has to be up there with him. Oh yeah. Um, he probably I'd say he was number two, to number two or number one. Uh, Bobby the Brain's got to be up there just for all oh, the yeah. things he did. But, the weasel. Uh, <laughs> Paul Look here, we go. Pro wrestling, ten greatest managers of all time. Let's see what they rank. But yeah, Paul Bear, like and like, From rightfully the, so. Just this past or last week on Monday Raw, or Monday Raw, 
uh, we're recording, we record these two weeks at a time. So in our timeline, where we're talking right now, last week was when they announced that he's going into the Hall of Fame uh, this year, like which you said, definitely well-deserved. Uh, but always loved, I like how Paul Barris stayed true to like his storyline. Like, you know, Miss Elizabeth would get kind of passed around. Sensational Sherry would go between, mm-hmm. you know, different superstars, you know, Macho King and, you know, then go back to Shawn Michaels or something. But Paul Bearer's story was always tied into the mythology of The Undertaker. And then, of course, my Undertaker will destroy you, Kane! And then, of course, he betrays that moment where he takes the urn, dumps it out, and sides with Kane over The Undertaker and starting, you know, some of the greatest plot lines of, uh, you know, early 90s, late 80s wrestling. Everybody uh, talking in this podcast that you're listening to will be going to WrestleMania, barring anything bad but um, I'll knock on that wood too just to be sure so the I, I think usually at Wrestlemania they do some type of the guys will at least come out yeah. like right at the entrance of course uh, Paul Bearer passed away last year so he won't be there but we'll, we'll see him we'll be there to honor him mm-hmm. in some way so it's very good uh, I think if I'm um, but he uh, was born he was born in 1954 so he was about to turn 60 he's 59 mm. When he died, so there you go. That's a shame. Definitely a loss to the yeah. one of those. Uh, it's always sad, uh, and it's funny. Even managers wrestling, you know, like it's it's not necessarily overly surprising when you know uh, uh, Mister Perfect has a drug overdose, or you know, I mean, you don't want it to happen, but it's not like it's like you're just like, eh, that sucks. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's funny too how the managers are the same way. Sensational Sherry, Miss Elizabeth. Uh, I don't think he was on drugs when he had weight problems and health problems. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's uh, it's to me, it's kind of odd too that even the managers if are kind of falling that same kind of yeah. trap. And this is before man, you know, Lita was a manager, so to speak, for a little bit, and then oh no, then she got in the ring and you know kicked off a whole new it was also diva revolution in the Hall of Fame this year. Mm-hmm. Saw her at Comic Con year before last. She won like forty bucks for an autograph. I said, nah, bro. Mm, nah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you have to be Colin Mockery or something for me to pay forty dollars for your autograph. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that was Sports Rewind in a cave <laughs> in Abu Dhabi. Anyway, uh, back to the future this week, real quick. Uh, by the time you listen to this, True Detective will have ended <laughs> and all will have been revealed. Uh, it's a miniseries? It's a, it's a TV series, but it's only like, uh, I think, eight or ten episodes. Per season. Yeah. But so it's uh, not it's all in, will be. <laughs> correct. It's in it, but it. A lot of people were flipping out after the Oscars when McConaughey said he's not going to be back next season. Oh. They've said from the beginning this show's an anthology. Hmm. Nobody's coming back next season. It's going to be two uh, new detectives. Okay. New kind of case and everything. So a lot so of people want... kind of is a miniseries. Yeah, I mean, in a way. I mean, it's, it's, it's a long... It's the longest, best detective movie you've ever seen. They, yeah. Don't they sort of do that? I might be way off here. We're like either Mexican soap operas i have no clue where the soap opera just ends and they start a new one with total new story like they don't American last very long like that? yeah it is yeah yeah that's a good example you're right. yeah so i mean kind of like that i guess i mean i just watch mexican soap operas for two things <laughs> and they're on the same person so i, don't, I can't tell you if they're the same pair every time I <laughs> but uh yeah anyway uh by the time you listen to this it will be over all will be revealed if you haven't watched it yet i Give it my highest possible recommendation. 
Uh, of course, it actually takes place in our home state of Louisiana, and it is a very good representation of our culture. It's not like Nicolas Cage and Con Air. You're not like, ah, you, let's go see the Gatos. Yeah, or uh, <laughs> Waterboy. <laughs> you can't understand yeah. anybody. Uh, it, and it adds to the fact of the show that it gives it that realism because I live here, we all live here, but watching the show, it's like, it feels natural. Like, it's not overdone. Like, we're, you know, Woody Harrelson, and I'm like, hey, man, we're in the th- th- I need some super. Mitch Hedberg joke. Anyway. Or but, something uh, very stereotypical Louisiana happened to me with the crawfish in my living room. Yeah. Just showing up. Yeah. There was a crawfish in Jesse's living room. It's not like it was an alligator. <laughs> that, that's, how, that's how the movie version would be. Right. Yeah. Oh, you come in here and you find that gator in your living yeah. room. Oh, just, shit. Just another gator. Le Bouton Roule. Ho, ho, ho. Baton Rouge. That alligator crawled through my pet door. <laughs> it ain't my door, shit. <laughs> I don't know what I do. Let's go get in our P-roll. <laughs> no, but uh, the sh- uh. The, when I first heard of the show, I thought it was a comedy because I just heard Woody Harrelson, Matthew McConaughey in a in a cop show, directed by David Zucker. <laughs> I would it wouldn't have surprised me at that point, but then literally the first 10, 15 minutes, bam! It's they, those two are they're like a uh, I'm trying to think of a good on screen duo, not an on screen couple to give an example for, right. uh, but I mean they. They are so good is it, together. Is it? Is it Red and Andy? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's like that. <laughs> it's a. It's like a Shawshank relationship. They, they are so good, acting with each other. But you can also tell that even though their characters are, you know, not in agreement with each other, they're still. I don't know. It's hard. It's just something that you can. That you, it's hard to explain, but you can see in their performances. And uh, like I said, I mean, I've always been a McConaughey fan. I'm not a Fairweather McConaughey fan since. Uh, at the Alice Byers Club, but uh, this, like, he will probably get an Emmy for this. Him or Harrison. Maybe both. I mean, maybe one will be supporting, one will be, I'm not sure how they, they break it down, but break it down. they might be up for the same damn award at the Emmys. Break I mean, but uh, True Detective is, I can honestly say, dr- drama-wise, is probably, if not one of, probably the best dramatic TV show I've ever seen in my life. Is it going to stay in New Orleans? Uh, I think the thing is, like, it could be any, it could be like American Horror Story. It's gonna go around. So, who do you want to see in season two? Uh, The rumor is it's gonna be two female detectives, but, Hmm. but like, but even like, because me and my friend Perry talked about this, like, who would we like to see? And the thing is, honestly, I feel sorry for whoever has to (laughs) be in next season because of how amazing this season is. Right. It's, it's, it's hard. The the bar's been set very high. It's HBO, right? Yeah. Well, I'm screwed. Did y'all come up with any names? No. <laughs> now, if you know anybody with HBO, you can get their HBO the Go, Go account. account. Yeah, because even the HBO president went on and said, "Feel free to share your Go yeah. accounts." Yeah, they clarified that it's not illegal, like they were trying yeah. to scare people in. So, you know, on Xbox, yeah, just get her account number. My mom watches, and you can watch it on HBO Go okay. and Game of Thrones too, starting up what in like two weeks or something like that. Yeah, which is awesome. I'm a season behind on that one. Oh, you need to catch up. Last season was good. Season one. Uh, Which is odd because I think season three of Game of Thrones is probably the best season. Uh, Of course, Walking Dead's going on now. This is the worst season. Like I don't even I don't even care about Walking Dead right now. Like it's It's so bad. Progressing really slow. It's not giving us anywhere to go. Yeah. Did you have you seen the latest episode? Huh? The fucking retarded. What's today? Thursday. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, with the beer. 
Right. Al- I mean, oh, yeah. Fucking, st- I mean, just like. They were trying to make a message. And it, it failed. Yeah, it failed. It, uh, I mean. There were other things that maybe they could have used in place. And I've done nothing but cheerleader that show since it came out. And I really don't give a shit about it right now. There's right. nothing. I'm gonna it's keep lost watching. its way. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to keep watching. You know, don't get me wrong. But, you know, when Game of Thrones is on Sundays and Walking Dead's on Sundays, I'm not wasting my time watching Walking Dead. I'm going to watch Game of Thrones and catch Walking Dead on the DVR. Wow. Where, as before, it was like, whatever one I watch, I'm immediately watching the next one. You know, whatever I'm not watching, I watch right after the whatever I'm watching is over. Mm-hmm. Usually I'd watch Game of Thrones first anyway because HBO, no commercials. Right. That, but then by the time it's over, watch uh, Walking Dead and just zip, 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 fast forward and all that. But anyway, in closing... True Detective, probably the one of, if not the best, dramatic television show ever produced, ever acted, ever put on filmuloid or TV uloid instead of cellular. I don't know, whatever. Right. Whatever, it's, whatever it's called. It's just digital. Digital, there you go. Been on a solid state drive. Yeah, but especially if you're a fan of McConaughey's work as a dramatic actor, as in Dallas Buyers Club, as in Mud, which if you listen to this podcast, you better have seen Mud. Uh, I haven't seen my yet. You will be get the fuck out. It's all Dallas Buyers Club. That's a good thing. It was good. Now watch True Detectives. We can talk about. It. Yeah. You too. All right. All right. All right. There you go. That's what I like to hear, man. All right. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Anyway, and don't forget also email us any uh, questions, suggestions. AsiaVisit at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook at Awesome Pods. Also on Twitter and the web. Uh, don't forget, part of the Awesome Podcast Network, we are, I'll speak in Yoda speak, since I didn't put that, uh, structure that sentence correctly. Mm. There's also Geekly Dose, Dual Attack, the Jesse Sedgley Podcast, Why Don't You Know This, and Republic City Report, all on iTunes and Stitcher for your listening pleasure. So if you're going on a long trip, and you've already listened to all 81 episodes of 80s Revisited, check out the other shows, and then re-listen to 80s Revisited, because we appreciate it. And then next week, we continue our journey through the 80s year by year, 1982. A very special year for me, simply because one of my favorite movies, again, I'm a broken record, but truly one of the most iconic and treasured movies of most likely all of our childhoods. But the question is, is it still a treasured movie today? Join us next week as we talk about the extra... Oh, you shouldn't have said anything. He can edit it out. You should go in and put like a boop. Okay. Okay. Boop, boop. There you go. I'll take the boop you just did, put it over. Oh. Put I'll, that on I'll there. I'll beat that, too. Put that on there. Ah. <laughs> 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 so next week, will we talk about... Ah. <laughs> Until next time, I am Trey Harris. I'm Daniel San Angelo. Yes, he's San Angelo. Cow bucket. Ah. Ah. <laughs> Beep. <laughs>